Hello, Marvel fans, and welcome to our monthly podcast where we deep dive into topics that possess some significance that may have been overlooked at first glance. Today is February the 19th, and for our first endeavor, Muhammad and I will be diving into the genius interworking productions of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Now, you may wonder why we choose a familiar subject that is such a dedicated fan base whose members are likely to pick up on minor details. But that fact is the very reason why we're choosing to dive into Spider-Man's production. The animated Miles Morales-centered film contains feats and aspects that go beyond similarities in the comic books and covers new ground that many animated movies wouldn't dare touch. Diversity that's less, look at our black character, and more, here's a movie where the main character happens to be black? Check. A soundtrack that sounds like a teenager's playlist instead of generic superhero theme music? Double check. Using a combination of hand-drawn and computer-generated images while also adjusting the frame rate of miles within the movie in order to replicate- Okay, I think we got it. Up next, we'll explore what allowed Sony Animation's best work to date to break an 0 for 5 streak from Sony, Topple Industry, Powerhouses, Disney, and Pixar, and win Best Animated Feature at the 2018 Golden Globes. And we're back. First, we'll take a look at the animation techniques within the movie, as well as the team behind the Sony Magic. Essentially, the animation within the movie achieved a lively comic book appearance, which fit the vibe perfectly. Miles is a character that has never been in a mainstream directed film, so he was literally pulled from the pages of his comic book. It's only right that he'd be accompanied by similar artwork, and it would only be right for such an innovative character to be backed by an innovative storytelling, whether it be by blending CGI and hand-drawn images or by simply animating a superhero story in a genre defined by realism. Now, how they went about completing the actual comic book look is found within the techniques used by the animation directors. Every single frame was designed in a way so that every screen capture of the movie looks like its own separate picture, rather than having motion blur distort images, which is the case with most, mov with most movies. Also, flashes of onomatopoeia can be found as the movie progresses in a don't blink or you'll miss it kind of fashion. My personal favorite? During the escape from Oscorp, Miles throws a bagel at a bad guy, both prompting the word bagel to pop up at the point of impact and prompting me to wonder just exactly what sound a bagel makes. Exactly. When someone looks closer at these pictures, they'll see a number of techniques that help give the movie that comic book pop. In addition to offsetting certain aspects of the background, much of the actual movement in the background, such as the Manhattan traffic or lit up windows, aren't actual drawings, but instead literal blobs of color. By doing this, the animation process becomes a lot easier, and the background is further blurred to bring more attention to the foreground. And in the foreground, a heavy emphasis on bold hard lines help bring more of that pop off the screen kind of effect, while Ben Day style dots, named after comic book artist Ben Day, serve as the icing on the spider cake. But you know what's crazy? We're just getting started. Beyond the actual art style, which was the most popular aspect of the movie, a lot of TLC went into the part of the movie that made an out of the picture gallery. To make animation easier, Sony first had their artists compile a bunch of theoretical drawings from a number of angles and put these drawings in a database. The information from the database was then fed to a computer program that would predict the next movement in the sequence. Now, I know what you're thinking. Predictions are just that, predictions, which makes them inaccurate. And I know that you're completely right. Which is why Sony also designated what were basically teachers, who would fix the computer's mistakes and, get this, teach it how to get better at these predictions so it could do it itself. In the movie, Up, Up, 
up until about the halfway point, Miles is animated on twos. That means that this that means that Miles is actually only drawn on every other frame. This puts him out of sync with the camera, which is animated on every frame since the background needs to remain constant. This represents Miles essentially being out of the loop. Meanwhile, his reluctant mentor, Peter B. Parker, is drawn every single frame, which syncs him up with the world around him. This makes sense, since he's been at the Spider-Man thing a while and knows what he's doing. And guess when little old Miles finally catches up to the movie? Don't tell me it's the... Oscorp escape scene? Yup. When Miles finally learns his abilities, he both literally and figuratively catches up. How cool is that? Yeah, that's very cool indeed. Now, before we segue to the next section, I think it's worth looking at another scene in the movie that manages to combine all of these elements to create a breathtaking spectacle. The scene in question is the end scene, with the final battle between the spider people and Kingpin and his lackeys. In this scene, larger, a bubble a bubble like Kirby dots replaces the Ben Day dots to create a more abstract feel as the world around them gets ripped apart by a collapsing particle accelerator. Meanwhile, the usual onomatopoeia and bolded art style remains. But, as the spider people return to their respective home dimensions after Kingpin is downed, the color flashes to re represent each character. This means that gumshoe detective Spider Noir gets a black and white send-off, Animated style Penny Parker has a bright has bright neon colors. Then when the battle shifts to a 1v1 between Miles and an enraged Kingpin, the dots swell in size as if the world is closing in on Miles, and the color is lost, replaced only with black and dark red color schemes. The artist did a brilliant job of displaying Miles' helplessness in this situation, while also setting the scene perfectly for him to unleash his new electric web ability, which pierces the cloudiness with an astounding blue flash and contrasts not only the color scheme, but also his uncertainty from before. Genius. I know. Up next, we'll take a look at the soundtrack to Miles' life and what separates it from your typical movie music. This time around, I'm here with an analysis of the soundtrack to Miles' Adventures. The movie soundtrack was mainly designed with the idea that it would be something that the average teenager would listen to, and that exact sound was achieved. The soundtrack came up huge in terms of the movie, managing to capture the emotions of many scenes perfectly. As a matter of fact, one of the most powerful moments in the movie consisted of Miles finally figuring out his seemingly burdensome powers, and announcing himself to the world as a new Spider-Man. In the background, the upbeat, braggadocious, what's up danger plays perfectly capturing the confidence and transformation of the newest Spider-Man. And who can forget the tear-jerking scene of Miles walking into Stanley's shop to purchase a Spider-Man costume following the death of the current Peter Parker, who was in the midst of his prime and about to take on Miles as an apprentice, before tragically being struck down. Talk about a double whammy. The emotional effect is made more potent by the background track, Scared of the Dark, which serves as a metaphor for Miles, who's now been thrust into a role he isn't ready to fulfill yet. But most people remember the soundtrack for the one oh-so-relatable scene. You know it already. Cue Miles Morales, sitting in his room, headphones on, mumble singing the lyrics to soundtrack standout Sunflower, his prepubescent voice cracking under the pressure of trying to copy Sway Lee's impeccable vocals. Now, the popularity of Sunflower shouldn't be a major surprise, especially when you consider that Kira Lehman, heralded for his work on HBO's Insecure, was given free reign over the soundtrack. When Lehman mixed the soundtrack, he did so with the intention of it sounding like a teenager's playlist. And as teenagers, I think we can agree he did a pretty good job, right? Honestly, yeah. 
With the nice balance between mainstream artists such as Lil Wayne or Post Malone and budding underground artists such as Juice World or Eminem, it perfectly captured the essence of, mod of a modern playlist and covered it with the best of both worlds. Also, the transition of Post Malone from rock and rap to a more pop-oriented style really started here on the soundtrack, and it ended up working out perfectly, with Post Malone being one of the most popular artists on the airwaves now using that exact same sound. Okay, Marvel fans, so you've made it this far, but now we have more diving and dissecting to do. Now we'll shift the focus from theme songs to cultural themes. The significance of diversity in this movie is so obvious that it's not. Muhammad will explain. If you've ever seen Miles anywhere, you'd see the color of his skin. He's completely different from his predecessor, Peter Parker. Duh. I'm pretty sure anyone can tell the difference between a black and white person. Miles is a half-black and Puerto Rican teenager who lives in the infamous city of Brooklyn. Now, if you don't mind, tell the people something that's not common sense. Okay, okay, chill. One theme that I found while researching is the idea that anyone can wear the mask. Uh, what does that mean? It means that the mask, Spider-Man's mask, is not specific to one ethnicity or gender. Into the Spider-Verse included many backgrounds with no boundaries, even within species. It was literally a spider pig. Yeah, it's cool that you and Peter are for the voice of animals and all, but how is that character selection in this movie any different than others? Well, first, not to be that guy, but like almost all superheroes on the big screen are white males. Spider-Verse did not forcefully integrate a mixed cast for the sake of those misrepresented. Instead, the cast was, that was chosen just happened to not be white. When people watched the movie, they didn't see a black kid, they saw Spider-Man. A wise man once said, it's important to tell the story you're telling in the right way. And this simply advocates the idea that diversity should not be forced. Ah, so I see what you meant now. Yeah, now that I think about it, Miles is a relatable and normal teen aside from being Spider-Man. He went through a heartbreak, Ms. Wozniak's podcast assignment, and the rite of passage life situations as a teenager. Indeed, and with, and with that, we will conclude the first episode of Deep Diving with Muhammad and Justin. We'd like to thank our sponsors, DC Comics for not making Spider-Man, Marvel Comics for making Spider-Man, and Tom Holland for being the best Spider-Man. This is Muhammad. And this is Justin. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, Spidey Bell, Spidey Bell, swinging through Midtown. Oh, what fun to sling a web and take the bad guys down. Spidey Bell, Spidey Bell's quipping all the time.